Hello, welcome to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, the first proper pod of the new Premier League season, coming to you on the back of a uh, 4-1 defeat at Liverpool. You probably have heard the scoreline by now, but of course there is a great deal more context to it than just a 4-1 defeat. I am David Freezer and I am joined by our group football editor Paddy Davitt and our video guru Tony Thrussell. Um, we are coming to you from a generic coffee shop on the M6 on our way home on Saturday after a rather late Friday night at Anfield. Paddy, I will come to you. Uh, how are you feeling in the aftermath of it all kicking off in, in such uh, sort of high profile style? Yeah, I think on high profile, yeah, that's a good way to introduce it, Diff. Um, yeah, I think you've got to be positive. <laughs> What's funny about that? Are you right? Yeah. <laughs> that's going to go in the uh, scrimmage high point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's prison, is it? We're cross promoting, we can't do that. Uh, it's all about the pinking. But um, yeah, I think bizarrely, having looked at the result, quite positive because the second half as anybody I'm sure the majority of our listeners would have watched either in person or on the TV they did actually apply themselves far better than they did in that first half but tweeted during the game the horse was already bolted so yeah negatives and positives a bit of a conflicted mix for me of emotions but uh, I just you talked about high profile it was just to be there at Anfield um, we're very privileged we have a very good view in the press box um and when they, you know, when you never walk alone kicks in, uh, you know, you're along. No, we're okay. Thanks. It's all good, it's all good. That's just that we we are live. <laughs> we are live. Coming, coming to you from, uh, what was it? Corley Service Station. Yeah, we're not allowed to say either, are we? No, no. Un- unnamed. Unnamed coffee brand. What's the generic label to describe where we are? Um, uh, the, but which colours are green and white? Uh, so we'll leave that there. Uh, Digress, boys. Back to the football. Uh, yeah, yeah. When when you're listening to that, you'll never walk alone. Fifty-three thousand minus the away fans. First game back since they won the Champions League in terms of competitive fixture. You just think, wow, it's mind blowing. And what that would have done to those Norwich players. I look down then at the pitch, and they're in, getting into their hurdle before the game kicks off, and you just think. Yeah, they're in very deep water here, and it felt a little bit like that. I'd, I'd be loath to say that maybe they were a bit startled and it was rabbits in the headlights, but uh, you know every mistake seemingly was punished. Um, so it, it felt like okay, this could go very badly at three four nil. But credit to them, credit to Daniel. They were brave. They showed a lot of character, and I think overall, I think there's more positives than negatives for me. Yeah, there were definitely elements of rabbits in the headlights at point in that first half, but overall, uh, yeah, that's not really a fair description. Um, for me, it's the first time I've ever been to Anfield and um, was really looking forward to it, and that, that was a special moment to hear them roar, you'll never walk alone on, on such a big night for them. Uh, Tony, had you been to Anfield before? No, again, like you said, that was my first time, and I think it was, what was it, about an hour and a half before kickoff we arrived? Yeah. Touch yeah. and go. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but just pulling into Anfield and sort of seeing the stadium that's kind of when it sunk in that Norwich are there that yeah. here we are in the Premier League and I think for the fans that that build up you'll never walk alone getting inside there that's kind of when it must have hit them it hit me that's this is where we are yeah, yeah. we're not at Brentford anymore yeah. <laughs> we're at Anfield and, and just enjoy it 
just the volume of people outside it was just so busy wasn't it and, and the you European, made yeah the European Cup took a nice picture put it on Twitter yeah yeah so that was the actual European Cup of course as well I'm sure it was I'm sure some it was. random man had it in the back of a van as you do <laughs> yeah posing getting people to pose for pictures I'm sure they weren't for free either to get your picture taken but uh, yours was <laughs> well mine was yeah that is true DF but uh, yeah no phenomenal amount of footfall just the media the trucks the amount of cameras and uh you know, to give an insight, I mean, after the game, uh, without getting into the mechanics of it, but Daniel has to do a series of interviews before he goes into his formal one, and uh, I think you counted, he did about 15 or 16 in individual different broadcasters from around the world before he even got to his main press conference. Um, Some from Germany, I'm sure, last night. It was, yeah, apparently so, but uh, the scale is unlike anything probably those players and that head coach have experienced before, and okay, you don't play Liverpool away at Anfield on the opening night every week in the Premier League, but more often than not, it is going to be that type of circus. And uh, yeah, Norwich, as they started to show on the pitch in the second half, I felt we were getting to grips with it, and it was no more. Wow, where are we? This is this is mad. It was, and you spoke to Ben Godfrey after the game, and, and it was like, no, okay, yeah, everything we did last season was to get to these type of stages. Now we're going to try and show that we actually can belong in that company and then I thought there was elements of that in the second half well beyond all that sort of buzz and, and, and off pitch stuff um, the team that Daniel picked he went with Todd Campwell which was a, a brave decision Todd clearly had a, a good pre-season otherwise the team was pretty much as expected with uh, Hanley and Godfrey pretty much the only fit centre halves and unfortunately Tony for, for Hanley there was just one of those moments that happened for defenders particularly in the Premier League where they just want the ground to swallow them up and an own goal in just the seventh minute yeah I mean it, it seemed like he was the one everyone was talking about in the build-up because of the injuries and it, it just kind of every or his worst nightmare happened yeah. didn't it he just sliced it into the net yeah. and I mean I, I think you said you kind of feel for him because no one wants to see that happen, especially with people all his all all people's eyes were on him. Yeah. Um, so you've got to hope that he recovers after that. He, second half, I mean, they all improved, but first half perhaps maybe could have been a bit more vocal, try and keep the heads up. But I mean, on the whole, you are kind of looking for the other two to come back and and hopefully show something they can do in the Premier League. Yeah, I had an interesting discussion with a few Norwich fans on Twitter about whether perhaps Grant as one of the, well, as the captain, quite literally, and as one of the experienced head in that team, whether his reaction to what had happened, which was obviously horrible, yeah, yeah, his technique wasn't great, but there was a fair bit of bad luck there, whether he, his reaction and you know, going down on his haunches or hands on his knees at the very least and, and looking utterly devastated, I know it's easier said than done to sort of keep your head in that moment, but whether that did have an effect on the other players, I mean, I particularly, I think Hanley was pretty quiet for the next 15 minutes or so, wasn't he? That's a very interesting debate, yeah, and I can kind of see where anybody's suggesting that that wasn't great body language, given he's got the captain's armband, I can kind of see that. Um, and that's maybe something in a more quiet, uh, reflective moment he might, he might dwell on that, yeah, you know particularly when you look to his right he's got Max Ahrens we don't need to talk about his talent but still an incredibly young man at that level he goes to his left he's got Jamal Ditto albeit a little bit further along and alongside him he's got Ben Godfrey so he was very much in terms of the outfield defenders the senior partner there and uh, yeah okay you make a bad error and anybody could have done that in that situation but it's there then after it's the response and um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was Ben Godfrey patting him on the back, I think. So, uh, and, and certainly, as the game elapsed, it was definitely for me. Ben Godfrey, who emerged as the leader in that defensive unit, he was he was proactively going to meet the ball. Whereas in the first half, notably for Virgil Van Dijk's header, that Jamal Lewis got tossed aside too easily. They were a little bit too passive, and um, that's why I think going back to the positives, negatives, to see Ben Godfrey there really stick his chest out. I'm the leader of this back line. That for me was a very, very big positive. Do you think that Grant, maybe the pressure of sort of deep down knowing that this was his big chance to stake a claim to be a first uh, first teamer? I think that must have contributed to his reaction because I checked back and he hadn't started a game since September last year at Ipswich, which is when um, he finally sort of succumbed to his uh, injury. I mean, he did start the FA Cup game, didn't he, against Portsmouth, as we all know, sent off after what, 15 minutes. That was a bit of a disaster as well. So this, there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders. He, he knew that this was a big one, but it's a heck of an ask for anyone. To, after having not really played football properly for the best part of a year, to then go and start your career again afresh. Okay, he's had a full pre-season against Salah, against Firmino, against Origi, who was really good. So, where where do you see it looking forward for Hanley, Pad? I think as we sit today, we're probably expecting him to to play against Newcastle, aren't we? Because I see closer wasn't even fit enough to travel, and I guess that means that with his hip, they didn't want him on the coach for a long time. They flew anyway, so. It would have only been what two two hours or something really of commuting, but even to that extent, that's probably not encouraging as we sit here the weekend before the Newcastle game. So that then means it's a huge day again for Grant, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and from a, a Daniel Farker situation, a very difficult one to manage because if you were to hypothetically take him out, if closer is going to be fit and in contention, you know, it's not sending a very positive signal to Grant Hanley that he probably then realises that, and of course, Christoph Zimmerman to drop into the mix, we hope, sooner rather than later. That might be it for Grant, I'm afraid. And that, that, that would be a very uh, difficult conversation for Daniel to have to have. But ultimately, if you lined up the four centre-backs when they're fit and available and ready, and then asked 100 Norwich fans, who's your best two? I don't think too many would put Grant Hanley in the top two. So... This is the level they're at now. There can't really be too much sentiment. If Daniel feels that, uh, for me, it would be Godfrey plus one, and if you think Zimmerman, reprising their successful partnership towards the end of last season, or the added experience of closer, or a better mix, then sadly that'll be it for Grant. And uh, But I don't think it'll just be that one area of the squad. I mean, we'll probably get into that in a little bit more detail, but the two in front. I don't think Han- I don't think Tommy Tribal and, and Grant, uh, sorry, Kenny McLean worked as a two. Um, and we we saw when Leitner came on, there was far more drive from uh, from Moritz. So that's just one area of the squad. And I think these conversations over the next few games will will start to happen more and more. You know, uh, until you get more of a settled sense of no, okay, we've seen enough now. These are our best eleven, and we're going to go with it because we saw with Daniel last season, more often than not, it was a very settled lineup. Once he, the guys he trusted were repaying him in performances and results. So really, to take Tony's point, it's spot on. Grant might not have too many more opportunities to really put a marker down. And against his former club as well, he is going to be really fired up for that. So um, let's have a quick listen to what Ben Godfrey said to me after the game. And he did, uh, I did ask him about how, uh, how they supported Grant in the, in the dressing room at half-time. Was there a, a point when you were thinking to yourself, 
wow, this is amazing, Anfield up against players like Salah at all, or were you just too focused on the job to have that sort of no, moment? Not really. I'm not a tourist, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to come here and just take pictures and, and, and idolise all them people out there. I've got a job to do at the end of the day, so I'm coming here and trying to get three points. Were you pleased with your second half in particular? I thought you really sort of had the bit between your teeth in that second half. Um, yeah, well, you know, you've, you've got to have that. Um, you know, when, when you're 4-0 down, it's important that it doesn't, doesn't get too too ridiculous. Um, we always stuck to our style. Um, you know, I thought in the second half particularly, we've done ourselves done ourselves proud. And with Grant, it's a horrible moment. There's nothing nothing he could do. To, he, he's going to feel awful about it. Is there anything you guys can say to him in that sort of situation? Or do you just would you just want to be left alone in that situation? Yeah, you know, he, he, he was there. He saw what happened. We don't need to tell him again, do we? So, um, you know, that happens to all of us. It's going to happen to all of us at some point. It's one in however many games that he does. You know, he comes off the shin and goes in. Um, but as I said, you know, it's football. It can happen at times. Um, and it's a tough one for him. But he's a great defender. And, um, you know, nine times out of ten, he makes contact with that ball and it goes out for you know, out of danger. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll stick by him. We know what he's capable of and it's just one of them things. Given that was such an unfortunate start, are you particularly proud of the way you guys bounced back because it was only seventh minute, wasn't it? Yeah, but if you, you know, if you don't start quick in this league, you, you, uh, the game will be out of sight before you know it. And that's that's what happened tonight. Um, but, you know, we can learn from that. And, yeah, on to, on to the next one where um, we can learn from our mistakes tonight and hopefully, you know, have an improvement next week. Thanks for speaking to us, Ben. Cheers. So that was Ben Godfrey's thoughts on the game. Um, I did mention um, at the top of the pod, Todd Camwell got the nod. That was a, a big element of uh, the, the the team when it was named at Anfield. How did you guys feel he, he performed? Tony, if, if I come to you first, do um, you think there were sort of bright sparks there? Yeah, I mean, not just myself, but I spoke to a few fans outside the stadium and, and they, they actually brought him up without prompt. So, I mean, that tells you something that I think maybe the surprise that he was starting more eyes were on him again like Grant so he obviously showed something that not just the fans that were there but everyone watching on TV not just Norwich fans were sort of praising him for what he was doing on the ball and on the ball four academy products in the starting eleven, so that's quite a coup for, for the academy bosses really to say that and I, I did see some stats floating around on Twitter that that was the youngest starting eleven on the opening day how somebody worked this out I don't really know to be honest. Uh, on the opening day uh, since the early 90s I think a Newcastle team named a, a younger team but that that is um, quite a statement in itself Todd though Paddy how did, how did you feel it went for him I think like like the majority of the rest of his teammates you know there was very uncomfortable periods when Liverpool were dominant and um, and then there was moments of real light for me um, that this is a guy in the highest level. We have to. I think it's very important. We have to keep reiterating that you know Liverpool aren't your benchmark in the Premier League. They finished one point behind Man City. Was it 90 plus points? They they won the European Cup. That's a very very high bar that Norwich set themselves against on Friday night. So they won't face that every week, and they won't face that individual or collective quality. But I still felt that he didn't look out of place. And uh, you know, if we we're any doubt that Daniel Farker trusts young players, and it was it was there just in his inclusion on the team sheet, um, because I thought that would be a, a very big stretch, irrespective of the fact that he had a very good pre-season. You know, you had Patrick Roberts potentially in the in the debate there. You also had Onel Hernandez, but no, he felt Todd going forward and defensively. Um, but it's very difficult because Trent Alexander-Arnold he's up against effectively, who is 
something a bit special. I mean, we saw the ball he put onto Origi's head for the fourth goal. Um, Tim Krull, fantastic stop from a, from a free kick that he took late on in the game. Um, very, 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 very good young player. And uh, and it was difficult for Todd in elements. Uh, I think back to the Mo Salah goal where he didn't really get goal side quick enough for me uh, to be able to cut out. It was Alexander-Arnold who made the burst. And from that, eventually, a bit of pinball arrived at Salah's feet and he did the rest so but of course he's 20 21 years of age he's you know there's a he's not the finished article neither a Max Jamal or Ben but there's enough raw material to work with and you can guarantee under this head coach this season it might be the Premier League and it might be the greatest show on earth as we keep getting told but <laughs> these lads will get an opportunity and uh, yeah again a bit like with Ben Godfrey, I felt there was enough evidence there on the, over the entire piece that Todd certainly would be in the, the mix again for a start against Newcastle. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Todd wasn't starting again, to be honest. I, I think you could probably argue he was better than Marcus Diepman over over the course of the game, um, particularly with those two sort of shanked early efforts from Marco that really should have been testing Allison at that point. Um, worth pointing out that they uh, they did lose their, their keeper midway through the first half. Um, that was a calf injury, wasn't it, after he'd kicked the ball? Uh, so, oh no, it was the second half, wasn't it? Sorry, no, first it was first half, wasn't it? Yeah. The the atmosphere from the or the reception that Adrian got from the cop was that illustrated the noise that they can make. And whether you know, at four 0 up at half time, Liverpool did take their foot off the pedal a bit. I think there's certainly an element of that. But Norwich kept playing the way they were trying to play in the first half, and it was a lovely goal from Timmy Pukki as well, wasn't it? I mean, that's exactly the sort of finish we saw from him last season. Do you think that's a that could actually be quite an important thing, Tony? Yeah, I think. I mean, you were just talking about uh, Todd, like Buendia. They didn't shy away. They yeah. they were showing for ball. They were always trying to do something, even if it wasn't coming off. And I think. If you sort of put ten men behind the ball, that's kind of when players start to, to drop off and, and not obviously be confident in their play. But Daniel's obviously got them playing in a particular way, which is brings out the confidence in them um, on and off the pitch, obviously, because Todd's obviously a confident person as well. Um, so hopefully, his trust in him also will push players like Hernandez and Roberts, because they must have been thinking... Well, well, Hernandez especially, I started most of the games last year. Why not I starting now? So hopefully it pushes him on to, to perform better as well. Particularly as he had a lovely new haircut, a man bun, ready to go, ready for the big night. What do you think of that? I won't be getting one myself, <laughs> put it that way. But, uh, when you've got that torso, you can pull it off, can't you? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a fair point Tony makes. And, and Patrick Roberts, we, we, we did a lot, lot of pieces with him out in tour in Germany and we all knew about his Merseyside connections. Um, and he was really, really, you could sense uh, he was desperate to be involved last night and Daniel resisted the opportunity. But that's no bad thing, you know, because we saw it with Leitner. You know, Leitner came on, he was like a man possessed. Within about two minutes, he's got a booking for tripping Henderson. That's not something you associate with Moritz in his game. Then he's smacked the bar with a lovely strike. Todd Campbell actually slipped the ball to him. Um, and then he's played that ball for Hernandez, and Hernandez probably should have done a bit better than just fairly weak effort straight at Adrian. So. You can imagine Moritz Leiner, as he was stripped, ready to come on for action, he's thinking, right, this is my moment, I know I'm going to show people, principally I'm going to show my head coach, I should be starting games. And I think that's what probably Arnell and Patrick Roberts will be feeling as well. And that can only be a good thing because it drives the guys who are in possession this year onto a higher performance level. Because if they don't, they're looking down at the bench and they can, Todd will know. If he's not performing, then he will be off and it will be Arnell or Patrick Roberts on. 
Okay, let's just break off quickly there and, and hear a bit from what Daniel Farke had to say. Um, <laughs> as we say, he had quite a few interviews to get through, but he still managed to... Um, I think he was a bit tired by the time he got to us, but he was still still trying to keep the positivity up. Yeah, first of all, uh, we're disappointed that we lost this game without, without any doubt because we were unbelievably motivated and really to be there was a big surprise and be the first team who was able to beat uh, Liverpool here at Anfield since two and a half years. And for that we are disappointed, but... It's always like my feeling is we have lots of positive to take, to take from this game because when you're 4 um down at, at halftime and able to, to win the second half, it, um, which the statistic we, we were nearly there with the possession, we created more chances, we had more shots uh, than Liverpool had, and uh, the truth was Liverpool had four shots on our goal and we were 4 0 up, so uh, anyhow it, it felt unbelievable uh, strange and, and surreal a bit, but it's like this, so we have to accept. And But then in this circumstances to go out and and to deliver with this second half and to win the second half is outstanding and I uh, just can praise the mentality and, and also the performance of my lad. So we knew um, uh, in order for Norwich City to, to win here at Liverpool, yeah, Barcelona lost the 4 0, Man City wasn't able to win here, so uh, everything has to come together. And when we have such an unlucky developing in the first half, it's, it's nearly uh, not not possible for us to, to win such a game. But in general, so like I said, lots of positive things to take, and that's what we will do. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Okay, so those were Daniel's thoughts, and he was ushered into his post-match interviews by a, a quite nice moment, to be fair, at the end of a 4-1 defeat and um, the players had all been over to the away fans who were really were good they really made some noise and like us uh, traveling up there on the friday they'd had some but certainly the guys who traveled on the coaches had had a tough old day i think um uh, some people were saying it was seven and a half hours and they couldn't squeeze in a stop in the end because traffic was so bad as we found as well it took us the best part of seven hours yeah. although we did manage to squeeze in a small stop on the way didn't we so we just left that little bit earlier but at the end of a 4-1 defeat, with that nice moment of Pookie scoring in front of them, Daniel wasn't going to do his, his wave, because you don't do that after a 4-1 win. I think that's the right move. But the fans were singing, there's only one Daniel Farker. And I think it, that, that really hit home with him, didn't it? He did, he did. And, um, and I asked him purposely in, in his formal press conference about that moment. Uh, and Tony's clipped out the, the, uh, the actual video. You can see that on, if you go onto the Pink and Twitter account now. And he basically said, to paraphrase him, that he was never more prouder to be a manager of Norwich City than at that moment. All the success last season, all the adulation and love shown towards him last season. I think the point was being that's easier when you know you're delivering victories and ultimately a promotion and a title. Much harder to do when you've really been put to the sword in the final analysis. But no, uh, he also I think he went on to say that's why he loves this football club and, and why he wants to be part of this football club and. Uh, I mean, bizarrely, after the press conference, I get a phone call, don't recognise the number, happens to be Ben Kensel, who passes me on to Delia. They're just about to get back onto the plane, and Delia, not knowing that Daniel had probably said the things he'd said, was also very keen to stress that at board level, they could not believe the level of backing, that the way those fans stuck with those players, um, and they wanted to get across their gratitude as well. So, um, you know, that wasn't some sort of PR managed campaign that all the main principals wanted after the game. They just felt organically that the support had been so good they wanted to try and reflect that and acknowledge it. And uh, yeah, um, as, and as I said to Daniel, though, the fans will need to stick with them because there's going to be a few lows inevitably. Um, but if they do stick with them, they'll have a, a 
a far greater chance of staying up next season than if they don't. Football's a funny old game, isn't it? You start the season with a 4-1 win and you've got an, a packed out away end singing proudly and actually proud of the performance their team are putting in and the effort they're putting in. And the moment when Pookie put that ball in the back of the net, that you just felt so pleased for them after all that effort on a Friday night. There are a few uh, slightly derogatory Sky Sports uh, chants as they left the stadium, weren't there? Which, which, <laughs> which I hope would be. But yeah, Tony, they, they, you go out and, and speak to a few fans at the final whistle. How was the sort of the general vibe? Well, I think, I mean, we experienced the journey that they did, and I think after that, imagine watching Norwich just sit behind the ball, yeah. not create one shot. Yeah. I think they just appreciated that they actually went out, stuck to their guns from last year, and just gave it a right go. I mean, you're going to lose games like that. I mean, West Ham, Newcastle have all fallen to teams, Liverpool, Man City last year by high scores, but and they didn't attack. So I think the fans just are loving watching a team that's entertaining no matter what happens. I mean, come December, January, if it's not getting results, then that's probably the time to ask, should they be a bit more pragmatic? But, I mean, for me, I know I'd rather watch, and that's what we saw last night, especially after eight hours yeah. on the motorway and various A-roads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, d I didn't finish the game all doom and gloom, but just because it had been such an entertaining night, such high profile, such a spectacle almost, you know, you, there was a lot that happened in that game, and you go back to... I probably bang this drum too much, but the, the Chris Hewton times when you do try and park the bus and you still get done 7-0 at Manchester City and you get thrashed 5-0 by Liverpool, you know, at that point it's quite difficult for supporters to keep their positivity up. And, and you're right, you know, if they continue to lose games through to Christmas, then that will come to an end. People will, will get sick of it. But it's, it's difficult. One thing that I, I think with this season is that there, sh there shouldn't quite be such a fear of relegation, you know. Everyone knows the position the club is in at the moment. That really, their promotion was unexpected, but there's still high hopes that they can survive because they've created something almost a bit unique and a bit special so in no way am I saying that relegation should be accepted but I don't think relegation is the end of the world for the club at the moment because Stuart Webber has been very open with that the finances will be careful in case that happens he's, he's you know firmly based, based in reality do you think I'm I'm being too positive there Pat? No no I think you're spot on Dave um, and you were at the sharp end of that on, on the day we went to Luton when you appeared on I think we can name them Talk Sport um, national radio debate uh, and they don't as you rightly just elucidated there you, you mapped out what the strategy is for Norwich and it, it was met with incredulity by some of the national hacks and we've seen that from that point till a ball was kicked yesterday that there seems to be this they can't quite process anybody who hasn't been on the journey and, and by that I mean ourselves as media last season the fan, fan base those players the head coach Stewart and all his staff and above them Delia and, and, and the board you know we all understand where they've come from what they're trying to do and ultimately what the longer term goal is um, and to take Tony's point you know I think there is a belief that that is the right way for a club of Norwich's stature and, and the financial model to go so there is complete buy-in there's obviously issues in terms of could they have gone out and signed more players for more money but the reality is and the messaging has been consistent they couldn't have done that in the window that's just finished so I think that seems to be much harder for people who are not equated with the intricacies of how this thing has been put together beyond maybe the borders of Norfolk to, to grasp um, and because of that okay there's probably going to be this kind of 
uh, as Stuart has talked about in interviews, you, you've just got to ignore the noise, you know, externally, internally, maybe, um, in terms of internally, in terms of your fan base. If you think you're, what you're doing and the path you're going down is the right one for this club with these resources at this moment in time in their history, then you just have to be almost tunnel vision about things, slap the blinkers on and stick to what you believe ultimately will get you to a position where you want this club to be, which, as Daniel keeps packaging it, is one of the top 25 in the country on a sustainable basis, which means more often than not in the Premier League. But, and to bring your point in here, Dave, if by this time next season Norwich are back in the Football League, they will be better equipped to have a real good crack at coming back straight away. And that really has to be how it is at this moment in time. And I think the majority of the fans, certainly the local media, they all understand that and are quite happy to run with it and um, and if they if they if they do pull it off brilliant they'll be a stronger club and they can go from strength to strength and if they don't then it's going to be a hell of a ride as we saw at Anfield that's what's so tantalising about it isn't it if they manage to do it the amount of praise that's going to come their way and the future that awaits the club at that point it really, really would be quite exciting well just finally then let's, let's start turning our attentions uh, towards Saturday against Newcastle and um, we are recording before their game on Sunday against Arsenal so we can't comment on that but Tony you do follow Newcastle a bit don't you so can you, yeah. can you give us a bit of a, of a feeling for what it's like at the club in, in terms of Steve Bruce being appointed of course a former Norwich player who was very popular here um, is it all doom and gloom or, or is there a degree of that they'll be able to play with some kind of freedom because there's not going to be too much expectation there well I think the hardcore fan is very anti-Ashley but support the club so if that's boycotting the game to stop money going into his pockets I think we might see that on Sunday but in, I mean haven't they sold 2,000 for the Norwich game? Yeah they sent yeah, some back sent didn't some they back. because they didn't sell them yeah. but I mean 2,000 is still pretty good for that, that journey um, but in terms of Bruce I mean it's just the unknown really because I mean, you've gone from Rafa you kind of knew what you're going to get probably survive but Bruce it could go either way it could be safe mid-table pushing top 10 I mean if you're a crazy optimist or it could be wheels fall off and, you, and you're getting relegated I mean they have signed I think they broke their transfer record three times in the last six months which for Newcastle I mean since Michael Owen that was when when they last broke it so that's that's something they've done but the players are brought in, I'll be honest, I haven't really heard of. There's some excitement around, is it Joe Linton? Joe Linton, yeah. And St. Maximin, a uh, French winger from Nice. So, I mean, these guys could hit the ground running, but it could also flop. They've signed quite a few French players, attacking players over the years that have flopped and have gone back uh, cheaper. But, I mean, if I think about how I feel about Newcastle, I'm more optimistic now than I was say a month ago. I think, I think we were talking about Houston style. Uh, well, yesterday it could have been, and I said I'd rather Bruce. So that obviously says that uh, there's something about him where it could it could work out for a year. I mean, he's a short-term appointment, really, yeah. isn't he? He's a motivator, isn't he? Yeah, and I mean, it would be so Newcastle for them on Sunday to go beat Arsenal, then comes Road and lose. Like, <laughs> it, it could easily happen. And, he, uh, and last year they didn't win any of their first ten games, so. And they stayed up. So, I mean, if Norwich fans want something positive, if they don't win for 10 games, they can still stay up. 
It's one of those uh, clubs where <laughs> <laughs> one of those clubs where the emotions are really run deep, don't they? Because it's one of those one club cities where it's really it's just massive. It means so much to people's lives. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting. What, what, what do you sort of make of the the Newcastle situation, Pat? I'll be brutally honest. I mean, Tony's mapped it out there with a fair degree of insight. So. I'd bow to him on that. I haven't really followed it too closely. I mean, they've brought big Andy Carroll in now, so whether he's up to speed um, for, for the Norwich game or not. Um, if he is, I hope Jamal Lewis is not marking him at corners, is all I'm <laughs> going to say on that. But uh, yeah, again, I'd, I'd probably more be inclined to just focus on the Norwich element of that game coming up at Carrow Road. Um, what, you know, the first home game at Carrow Road in the Premier League, back in the Premier League. Fans turn up, make it. A right good din stay with the players because there'll be periods in that game even you know because it's the Premier League that they'll be under the pump a little bit I just hope we see less of the naivety defensively and and that's still um, almost uh, fearlessness going forward and, and uh, just a it wasn't me that wasn't me that's Norwich's that... defence <laughs> <laughs> quality line TT yeah yeah it's not Grant. I didn't mean it, Grant. We'll, nice. we'll leave that in. It's thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't want any breaking cups next Saturday. That is for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, you'd have to think Norwich would have enough about them to uh, to get their season up and running next Saturday. And if they do, then um, you know we'll be even more infused about the journey, journey ahead. Yeah. I think Carrow Road will be absolutely jumping up on the back of Friday night. Yes, of course, that the result is disappointing, but it's welcome back to the big time. Here's the challenge. Here's what the levels that you've got here. I think the fans will be really, really buzzing for it, and hopefully, Carrow Road is going to be, you know, once again, bright colours, all those flags out, the great work that goes into that side of stuff, and, and, and a real noise. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if they've got something special planned with the flags. Have you guys heard anything? Not heard anything yet, but um, they've had a they've had a few months to plan, haven't they? So. Um, that's something to look out for. Well, just finally, they're not on the pitch. and I don't think we've mentioned Ibrahim Amadou, of course, new signing, big name, hopefully, who um, wasn't involved. You would have thought he's probably going to be involved in some way next week, even if it's just on the bench. But for me, Moritz Leitner, I would say, has got to be a definite starter. 100% agree. And, and if he, if Daniel feels he's, he's close enough to the squad after another week training Ibrahim Amadou, I'd like to see them two paired together because I, I think uh, it offers a little bit of everything that you need in that central midfield area. You know, you've got the creativity, you've got the control and poise of, of a Leitner on the ball to be able to set the play, get Norwich going. But in the elements of the game where they don't have the ball and, and maybe a bit vulnerable defensively, Amadou, by all accounts, is that type of mould of central midfielder. So all bases will be covered um, that for me will be a very exciting thing to see and that brings us full circle because as I say we started off talking about who are the two best centre-backs uh, for Norwich moving forward as the season progresses and I think there's a debate to be had who are the two best central midfielders OK well thank you very much chats we'll um, we'll get back on the road uh, head back to Norfolk still got uh, at least a couple of hours ahead of us and probably another few traffic jams knowing uh, the way this weekend's gone but we um, we shall head back to Norfolk there's loads um, at pinkin.com to get your teeth into uh, lots of analysis um, I did Grant Hanley for the player watch which is typical so I hope I'm not going to be some sort of jinx because I had quite a good record last year in terms of picking players who then went and scored or did something positive but uh, it was a very different season of course so uh, do go and have a look at all that um, as ever 
this is your podcast as much as it is ours so if you've ever got anything you want to discuss uh, let us know on social media or drop us an email to thepinkin at archant.co.uk on which point I should tell you that well, this is, podcast is brought to you by Archant Podcasts and if you're interested in advertising with us or sponsoring the show then please, please do give us a shout that is to matt.withers at archant.co.uk withers is spelt w-i-t-h-e-r-s matt's our man in charge of the podcasts these days and if you'd like to be involved with the pinkin.com norwich city podcast we've been going for a good strong 10 years and we're looking forward to keeping it going throughout this season and into the future and i'm sure there's going to be plenty more for us to discuss throughout this season so we will catch up with you soon thanks for listening